The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Good morning. It might be said this week that we have had, um, we have seen the theme of three pres presentations. Uh, for there is kind of an intersection this Sunday of uh, three themes. On the one hand, we have seen the presentation of our Lord and Savior in the temple. We have seen the one who was the pre-eternal Son of God come down in human flesh, presented in the temple in what might be seen as an extreme act of, of humility. He has been held as an infant an infant in diapers brought to the temple, the second person of the Trinity in the most humble of states, held by an elderly man and lifted up to God. But today, this Sunday in the Gospel, we have seen two other presentations in the temple. One of them, in many ways, completely different from the presentation of the Lord, and one of them, in a sense, similar in its humility to the presentation of our Lord. The other day I was reading the Beatitudes, that list of virtues that describe those who are blessed to be children in the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those with the broken heart of the poor. Blessed are the mourners, the meek, the hungry, the merciful, the pure, the makers of peace, the persecuted. And in kind of a left-handed way, as my brain often functions, I began to think about what's not on that list. What's not blessed in the kingdom? And I began to think that significantly not on the list are those who have briefly examined their status and found themselves to be perfect. Significantly not on that list are those who have appointed themselves as the judge of their neighbor and then gone on to show no mercy. They are significantly not on that list of the blessed. As Garrison Keillor, that uh, blessed commentator on the Holy Scriptures and all things important, once said, we Christians are always asking God to forgive us of things that we wouldn't dream of forgiving in others. We tend to judge that which we ourselves might ought to be forgiven of. So today in the gospel, we see two neighbors come to the temple. Each of them are seeking a blessing. Two men, two brothers, two neighbors walk into the temple. Two brothers, two neighbors walk into the church. They may sit right next to each other. They may hang at the back. One of them presents his perfection as a justification for his continued existence on the planet. One of them presents his goodness as to why the Lord ought to make him blessed in the kingdom. 
and the other one is so broken that he can only hang his head, and through tears he can only beg for mercy. I don't know about you all, but I know I see myself in both of them from time to time. You know that tendency we have to want to hear a parable and say, oh yeah, I'm the good guy. And oh, that, uh, him, 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 her, 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 her. They're the bad guys. Uh, uh, they're the, the, uh, the seed that fell on bad ground. You know, they're the, uh, the foolish virgin. They're the this, that, or the other. And I, on the other hand, am, am of course, the hero of the parable. We have that tendency sometimes. But this week, and most weeks, if we are really true to ourselves, we will find a little bit of both of them in ourselves. A little bit of the Pharisee, and a little bit of the one who knows his sin, and his sin is ever before me. That one who, like in Psalm 50, is contrite. St. Ephraim, the Syrian, wisely commented that it is more difficult to confess one's sins than one's righteousness. Don't we find it easier to confess our righteousness than we do to confess our sins? Do we not so often, I know I have, and I'm sure none of you out there have, but I know I have, come to confession and want to make sure we understand the whole story as to why I sinned. Because in why I sinned, there's a little kernel of righteousness that's there. I really was, was, in a sense, justified for the sin which I did. I know none of you do that, but I know I have. Perhaps that is why today we have had set before us the publican and the Pharisee. As we journey toward Lent, as we begin to make those preparations, it's set before us this story. Augustine, in his commentary on this gospel, compared it to going to the doctor and to going to confession. How often have I gone to my physician and wanted to look healthy even when I was sick? You, you, you know, you get in there and you don't, you don't spill all your symptoms because, you know, oh, oh, I, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. No problem. Uh, you, you might want to let that next guy come in. I, I'm, I'm good. How often have I walked away and went, whoa, I didn't tell him what was really going on. So, how much more dangerously, how many times do we go or not go to confession and so hide those diseases of sin that may be killing us? those diseases of sin that we are sick with. Perhaps that is why we judge others to deflect the heat from ourselves. Again, Augustine observed, the Pharisee was not rejoicing so much in his own clean bill of health as in comparing it with the diseases of others. He came to the doctor. It would have been more worthwhile for him to inform him by confession of the things that were wrong with himself instead of keeping his wounds secret. 
And then, and I love this part, having the nerve to crow over the scars of others. How often have I crowed over the sins of others, over the scars of others, over the weaknesses of others? How often have I highlighted them rather than highlighting my own and bringing them in confession? I am thus not healed, and I do not move to help my brother, my neighbor, become healed when I crow over his weaknesses. This Lent, let us not crow over the weaknesses of others. Let's get real. We are each of us here because we are each one of us wounded. We are broken. We are scarred by our choices and by our very presence in this fallen, broken world. None of us is here because he is perfect. We did not get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and like Fonzie go, no need to even comb it. It's perfect. None of us can stand up and say to any other who comes to this place, I am so very wholly orthodox, and you, you are not. None of us, none of us, no matter how scrupulous we have been with everything that we ought to be scrupulous about, none of us can stand and claim perfection. And if we do, we just blew it. If we have come here to demonstrate the attitude of the Pharisee, like him, we will go away without blessing. St. Basil the Great warned us to look at the example of the Pharisee and to be on your guard, therefore, and bear in mind this example of severe loss sustained through arrogance. He was judged inferior because in his self-exaltation he did not await the judgment of God but pronounced it himself. We don't want to be that guy. As two of my grandsons often say, don't be that guy. We don't want to be that guy. For all the manifold benefits of the grace of God, we must acknowledge the giver of those benefits. It is not we ourselves who gave us benefits. We must be vigilant lest we attribute the great beauty that we have been given here in the church to ourselves. We did not build this temple. We may have had some small hand in it under the direction of our Lord, but we did not build this ourselves. And we can have no smugness to the weak one that comes here about what it is that we have built. Martyrius warned us not to be, and listen carefully to this, as we come to our anniversary here and consider what has been built here among us in our community. Martyrius warned us not to be drunk on the lovely sweet sound of our own voice, the beauty of your chants that are sweeter than honey and honeycomb. Those belong to God 
and not ourselves. We did not build this place, he built it, this place we have come to. Cyril of Alexandria reminded us, no one receives a crown from himself. And so it is that the temple, this church, is being built by the Lord in a very large sense on the measure by which we follow humility, on the measure by which we follow his humility in his presentation in the temple, and the humility of the publican in his presentation in the temple. The publican's brokenness, his contrite heart, was a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. And that heart we must emulate. We dare not stand smug and aloof like the Pharisee, judging our neighbors and losing ourselves. For the broken, for the wounded, for the mourners, for the poor and hungry of this world are waiting for us to stand together with them, not with the Pharisee. The poor, the hungry, are waiting for us to stand with them, begging for mercy. For we ought to be, as Christians, in solidarity with them and not with the smug Pharisee. Let us never be. If in this Lent we find humility and repentance, it will be for the life of the world and for our salvation. Let us have an intention, therefore, this season to seek the humility of the publican, and that would be to the glory of God. <laughs>